Welcome to Grace this weekend. Thanks for being here. If uh, you're here in the room or maybe tuned in online or maybe watching at our Montrose location, thanks for being here. And a good chance that if you've just started coming maybe in the last few weeks or the last few months that we haven't met yet, I would love to meet you, maybe uh, hear how you made your way to Grace, uh, get your name and connect that way. Before we jump into our conversation today, I want to mention a few things. Uh, one that's coming up just next weekend, uh, Pastor Jeff is going to be kicking off a brand new series called No Additives, No Preservatives. It's going to be amazing. So make sure to prioritize that, schedule that, and uh, show up next weekend. Maybe if you've been watching online, it'd be a great time to come in and, uh, and catch that series as it kicks off next week. So make sure to mark that on your calendar and, uh, and take note of that. Uh, the other thing I want to mention is, of course, in the last 24 hours here in our nation, we have uh, seen that there have been some shootings and uh, some tragedies that are playing out and uh, horrific things, of course, in El Paso, in Dayton. And I just want to take a few minutes here and just pray uh, for the families of the victims in our communities here and all throughout our nation that are hurting and, uh, and really ask God to move and to work in th their hearts as, uh, as they're grieving in severe ways. Would you pray with me? Take a minute to do that. Father, we come to you now and really just asking for you to work in ways that are beyond our ability. And, uh, Lord, to be with the families of the victims and uh, to give them a supernatural comfort in their grief and in their pain and their confusion. God, be with the people of the Dayton community and the El Paso community, Lord, and even the victims of other shooting communities and families that have lost people in, in those situations. Lord, help them to know that you love them, that you'll never leave or forsake. God, we ask that you also would be with our law enforcement and our medical professional, our teams, response teams that would surround those situations. Lord, we recognize that they're often in difficult uh, dangerous situations, and so please be with them, empower them, give them what they need, and help them to cope as, uh, as they continue to help in uh, confusing and difficult times. And Lord, we ask that you would be with individuals, even in our nation and throughout the world, that are lost, uh, that are confused, and that believe that violence is, an, is the answer to life, and uh, that are being fueled by hate. Work in their hearts and minds to help them to know you, Lord. Draw them to yourself. God, we pray for just our world and our culture that you would pour out and continue to use your church in the light of truth to help people to know that there is a reason and a purpose and a meaning behind life on this planet. And we want to continue to seek you and cling to you and watch people find you, Lord. We submit all this to your care. And we come to you now in need of help and understanding even as we're confused in the midst of it. We love you, Jesus. Thanks for loving us. It's in Christ we pray. Well, we uh, started a series just this last weekend uh, called Habits and Heartbeats. And here's what we kind of said as we jumped into this. We, every once in a while, what we want to do is, is take a few weeks and really look at the lifestyle that a follower of Jesus would embark into. Right? And, and it's important that we said that. It's a lifestyle Right? When I say I want to follow Jesus, I'm not just clicking off, you know, I, I choose to be a Christian, not a Muslim or not some other faith system. When I say I want to follow Jesus, I'm adopting to follow a person. And as I follow that person, I follow Jesus. There's a lifestyle that's attached to that. 
And we wanna take some time to really understand what does that lifestyle look like? And so Habits and Heartbeats is really about that, taking some time to look at different dimensions of that lifestyle, the passions that would drive it, the, the patterns or kind of the, the decisions that we'd make on a regular basis that would fuel that lifestyle. We did this a few months ago. We looked at really what it looks like to share our faith. And uh, we said, boy, there's, there's some heartbeats, some habits, some patterns and passions that are connected to that. And in this series, this short one, what we wanted to do is really look at the habits and the heartbeats that are connected to the Bible. And obviously, the Bible is a big deal to followers of Jesus. It's a big part of our lifestyle, at least it, it can be and should be. And I would say, if you're a follower of Christ, these series, Habits and Heartbeats, uh, can really renew and refresh our vision for the lifestyle of following Jesus. If you're maybe investigating a faith in Jesus and uh, looking at making a decision to follow him or not, you can understand a little bit more of, of kind of what it looks like to follow Christ and maybe work through some of the, the misconceptions that have been maybe connected to Christ followers and just kind of go back to the Bible. That's always our heartbeat here at Grace is that we want to just lower the barriers and say, you know, what, what is God really asking of us? Let's put away the baggage that's connected. Maybe if you grew up in a church situation that was telling you it has to be exactly like this, erase some of that, delete some of that, and go back and just say, wait a minute, what, what did God say again? What, 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 did, what exactly was the Bible telling me that I should do when it comes to following Christ? And so we always want to try to go back and really ask those questions, uh, sometimes at a high level, to try to refresh and renew our vision for what it means to follow Jesus. And so last week, we opened that up. We started the conversation, and we really wanted to get a big picture view of the Bible. We said, Let, let's start and like get above it, right? Forget what we know. If you're a skeptic and maybe not sure what you think about the Bible or believe if it's true, or maybe you come in with baggage and, and think, ugh, I, I don't even want to talk about reading my Bible. I heard all the time when I was growing up that if you don't do it exactly like this, God hates you or God's mad at you whatever. Let's erase all that and just simply ask some really big questions. And that's what we did. We simply asked this. We said, what, what kind of what is the Bible for? What does it do for me? And we answered it simply like this. We said, one of the biggest thing it does is, is it defines reality for the follower of Jesus. We said that everybody on the planet chooses a kind of a lens of faith they're going to see life through, whether it's the Bible or something else, Christ followers unapologetically say, yeah, th this is how I define my reality. God has spoken this. He's, he's given us his word. So I'm going to see life through that lens. We also said what, what, part of what the Bible does and how it works is it sets me into a context, a context of a large story. So when I look at my life, I, I notice that it's not really about me. It's not about just what I want or my goals or my dreams or aspirations. I am set into the context of this grand drama that God has been building for a long, long time, and he's going to continue to build that until it's wrapped up in eternity. And we said, ultimately, why the Bible was given? If we ask the question, what? We ask the question, how? We ask the question, why? Why was this given? What's the big purpose behind it? And we said, that purpose becomes extremely personal. The reason why the Bible has been given to us is simply this, that God wants relationship with human beings. And not just with human beings, but, but with you and with, with me, right? Like individuals. He wants you to know him. And he wants to know you. He wants the, the two of us to have a relationship with one another. And that's the driving passion of why God would give us the Bible and go to such great lengths to, to protect it, to speak to us, to have it show up literally in our 
hands today, right? It's fascinating to look at. So that's kind of the big picture. So if you missed that conversation, I'd encourage you to catch up online. Uh, you can do that at graceohio.org. You can uh, subscribe to watch our YouTube channel. Watch or listen to those for free if you want and kind of get caught up that way. And then what I want to do today is I just want to have a really practical conversation, like super practical. Here, here's what I want us to do by the end of this conversation. I want the Bible and interacting with the Bible, the habit of Bible interaction to feel doable. I want you to feel like, oh, I can totally do that. I can make that work, right? I want us to put away the baggage and just find a fresh look at interacting with the Bible. Because here's the thing, interacting with the Bible is really important. In fact, there's this, uh, this Harvard grad who became a pastor. He did this amazing, kind of a huge survey of a thousand churches. And basically, this was the findings of it. Part of his question was this, what causes people to move spiritually, to grow spiritually, no matter where they are in their faith spectrum, if they're just kind of checking Jesus out, or if they've been following Jesus for a long, long time and are really, really committed to him, what, what kinds of habits could people do that would help them move? And here is one of the big takeaways of that huge study, is that the most impactful habit that people anywhere on the faith spectrum could do is to personally interact with and meditate on the Bible. That's it, right? If you had to pick one, one habit to do that would cause you to grow, that would be it. Getting this truth in me at a deeper level on a regular basis, that will move me spiritually if I do it the way that the Bible's telling me to do it. So it's a big deal and it's important, but I want us to feel like it's doable even like it's something that we can uh, kind of experiment with and try some new things. And so if, if you have some, some baggage of being uh, kind of interacting with the Bible and have some guilt around that in the past or even currently, and I just encourage you, be willing to lay that aside and take a fresh look at the habit of Bible interaction because it actually can be a ton of fun. And we're gonna see that. But I wanna frame up our conversation a little bit with two important passages about the Bible just to kind of set us into a context. The Bible says a lot about itself. And I want us to start off seeing this here in Hebrews chapter four. Uh, here's what the writer says in 4, 12 and 13. It says, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Okay, so the writer of Hebrews is saying, hey, th this book is different than any other book. Uh, there's no other book on the planet that is alive and active, that, that is going to be able to speak into my heart and mind and my life in the way that the Bible does in the way the Bible is, right? It's just how it works. It, it can speak to me and meet me no matter where I am. If I read a passage and I'm impacted by that and I go read that passage 10 years later, it might communicate to me and convict me or heal me or help me in a completely different way because I am changing and it speaks to me no matter where I am. Of course, the message of the Bible never changes. It's set, it's fixed, but how it interacts into my life is uh, alive and active. And, and one of the reasons this is such a big deal is because, right, the heartbeat is what we said last week. The heartbeat of the Bible is relationship. Uh, God knows me. He knows everything about me. And when I read the Bible, when I come to it, what happens is I sync up uh, kind of my view of myself. I, I, 
I sync up with how God sees me, and I actually agree with reality. Yes, God, that's how I am. That's where I am. And, and as, the, as the word of God kind of cuts into my heart and into my life and exposes and shows me those things, I get to agree with reality and be honest about it. And that's how the Bible can bring things like this into my life, healing. The Bible's gonna look at me and say, hey, look, you're, you're hurting. Part of what the Bible does is bring healing and comfort. It exposes sin so that I can confess that and be forgiven. I can get rid of guilt as that happens, right? All kinds of things happen in that interaction with God as the Bible shows up in a regular way in my heart and my life. Right, so Hebrews chapter four, here's another kind of anchoring passage is to kind of frame up our conversation. Paul talking to his protege, Timothy, he says, all scripture is God breathed, it's God inspired, it is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Paul's looking at at Timothy, he says, hey, this is... God spoke this. Stay close to this, right? Because I'm going to need this to, to, you need this to teach you. You need this to correct you, to train you in righteousness, to teach you how to live rightly on the planet. That's the idea. And right, you're going to use that in your life. And of course, Timothy was a leader, so he's going to use that to teach, correct, rebuke in other people's lives as well. But here's the big point, so that the servant of God may be equipped, right, for every good work, he says, Here's the thing, if you're a follower of Jesus today, or you're considering being one, you just need to know this, when you sign up to follow Christ, you're not just saying, hey, I'm gonna be somebody that goes to church on a regular basis. I'm I'm sure I'll go do, I'll, I'll check the box that says Christian instead of something else. When I say yes to Jesus, I'm signing up to become a servant of God. Not, that's not just the clergy, that's, that's not just people who get kind of paid to be a part of the church or have their lifestyle freed up so they can serve God full time. That's not the only people who are servants of God. If you follow Jesus, you're a servant of God. Your service is gonna show up as a mom or a dad or somebody on a college campus or in high school or on a team, and we have to be equipped, trained in righteousness, trained how to live, equipped on how to do every good work based on where God has put us. But man, if I follow Jesus, I'm a servant of God. That's a big deal. So God's going to work in me, Hebrews. He's going to heal me. He's going to convict me. He's going to help me get forgiveness and and work through guilt and connect with him relationally. He's going to equip me to do every good work based on where I am put and placed in life. See, Ryan, kind of sum this thing up for me. Help, Help me get my arms around it. Here's kind of a summary of kind of what I want us to walk away with. Here's the thing. Coming to the Bible on a regular basis with the goal of knowing God, puts us in an environment where change can happen. This is a loaded statement, so let me unpack it. Coming to the Bible on a regular basis. So we have to, if we're gonna grow, if we're gonna have a relationship with God, this, this book is something I need to interact with on a regular basis. It has to show up. It can't just be like every six weeks I might pick that up, right? If you work out every six weeks, what happens? You just get sore. Right? There's no progress made. It just hurts every single time you do it. When I, when I interact with the Bible, it needs to some, be something that happens regularly. It's got to show up on a consistent basis. And here's the heart of it. I can't show up to the Bible with the goal of, uh, with the goal of becoming a really smart person, with finding verses that I can quote so that you think 
that I'm educated rather than right, smarter than you. That's not the heart of the goal at all. It's not to become religious. The heart and the goal is to know God. Right? So if there's a consistency, I'm interacting with it regularly, and the goal is that I actually have a relationship with God, man, what happens then is I'm put into a posture, a situation, a place where change can happen in my life. I can actually be transformed into a different kind of person. And here's the big goal, right? If, for followers of Jesus, we love God, we love people, and the goal for us, what happens in us, is the goal is that we become like Jesus Christ. That if Jesus were living in my body, in my skin, in 2019, here in my life, that his heart and the kinds of things that he would say would come out of me, right? That I become like Jesus. That's the goal of it. And when we do this on a regular basis, we put ourselves into a situation where change can happen. Will it automatically happen? No. But if I put myself here, I, I'm saying, God, I want you to change me. I'm putting myself in an environment where change can happen. And that is a big, big deal. But you might say, Ryan, you start talking to me about doing this on a regular basis. And what are you talking about? Are you talking about, do I have to do the Bible and interact with the Bible the way that maybe all the people told me I have to interact with it when I was growing up? Does it have to be this very specific way that you have to read it at 5.32 a.m. and you have to read three chapters and it has to be for 30 minutes and it has to be this prescriptive exact thing. And if I don't do that, man, well, God might be mad at me, right? And I might not be blessed if I don't interact with the Bible in the exact formula that I heard or someone told me. And man, I, I, I got to get it right or I'm going to feel like I'm not right with God anymore. If you have any of that baggage, just I'm asking you just to put it away, right? Just to put it to the side. Because what if, what if interacting with the Bible, the Bible that's alive and active, the Bible that equips us for every good work, what if it could look very different maybe than anything that we have interacted with before? Maybe there's a freedom to work with the Bible and have it work in us differently. Let me explain what I mean. Uh, when I think about the Bible, I tend to think of the Bible, and the illustration that comes to my mind is dating my wife. Okay, you're like, that's kind of weird, but that's, that's what I think of. I think of dating my wife. I've been married for 17 years, which isn't that long, but it's long enough for us to have had multiple different seasons over our 17-year marriage, right? Different seasons where different things were going on. And so throughout our different seasons of 17 years of marriage, our dating life has looked radically different over that time frame. So when we were first, first married, uh, we were wrapping up school, and we were like super poor, coming out of college, kind of still college kids. And so what we did, our goal then, dating for us then, looked like this. We had $10 dates. That was the goal. And we would, we would split meals, and, and we would buy, if you guys remember, some of you guys remember this, uh, this is old, it tells you how old I am. Uh, we would use the entertainment book. Some of you guys ever use that? And so, yeah, yeah, you remember. And we would, we, our dating schedule would look like this. We would say, there'd be a coupon that would say like, buy a meal, get one free. And we were like, this is awesome. We can do this for 10 bucks, you know? And, and that's, that's how we would pick where we would go for a date, which is the next coupon in the entertainment book. And we would rip that out and then we would go drive to that restaurant and as long as it wasn't closed, you know, we would, we would go have a date there, right? And, and that was great. It was all we needed. We didn't need some sexy, amazing, elaborate situation to have a date. We just needed some space to make a connection and to fight for our relationship because a bunch of really smart people who were married much 
for, for a long, long time. They told us, listen, this marriage thing is not as easy as you hope it is. You have to, if you want a relationship, you've got to fight for it. Right? And we all kind of know that, right? Every relationship that's worth having, you have to fight because you're going to drift from one another. You want to have a great friendship, you're going to drift. You want to have a great marriage, you're going to drift. You're going to have a relationship with God, you're going to drift from each other. And so we, we knew that we needed to do that. And so for us in the beginning, that's how dating looked. $10 dates was a ton of fun. And then we started having kids. And man, kids throw a whole new wrench into the situation when it comes to dating. And at that point, we were just tired. We had a kid and we had another kid and we're like, we're not sleeping, and we're getting in the fog. And at that point, we were like, we'll take any time of the day. I don't care if it's a half an hour or 45 minutes. We'll scrape and claw for it. Just give us a date. And that's what we did. Mom and dad would give us 10 a.m. dates or lunchtime dates. They weren't sexy, but it was just long enough to stare at each other and say, are we going to be okay? And that's, that was our date, right? It was amazing. And then we kept having kids, right? We had two, and then we had another one. And we had another one. We had four kids in five years. And we were like, I don't know if we're going to make it. At that point, dating looked a lot more like napping, right? We just kind of like, hey, can we just like fall asleep and, and count it as a date? But right, we just survived it. And once we were done having kids, I remember we realized that a lot of energy had gone into having children and staying alive and keeping them alive. And we recognized, like, we got to work on, like, our marriage a little bit deeper. And so we felt, we felt that, just kind of the reality of living life and the, the manner in which we were living it. And so we sat down and we said, we need to make an intentional plan to get some time together. And we set out before a summer, we said, let's, let's get eight five-hour dates throughout the summer. We're going to invest some money into it. We're going to get a babysitter. And we're going to have like real dates where we go to dinner and talk to each other. It's going to be amazing, right? Lots of space and time. And we made the plan to do that. And man, it was huge for us. It was huge. Our relationship rekindled, fired back up. That was an important season of dating for us, kind of post having a bunch of kids. And now our kids are between 6 and 12, and dating is like kind of easy, it's easy to plan in, make it happen. Kids are no big deal anymore, right? They, they don't uh, go to the bathroom on the floor. Diapers are done. It's awesome. It's a beautiful thing. And so now dating is pretty simple. And you say, Ryan, why did you just give us an in-depth uh, explanation of your dating relationship with your wife? Well, how does that have to do with the Bible? Here's the thing. In our walk with Jesus, our relationship with God, we are going to be in all kinds of different seasons of our life. And I would argue that just like a dating relationship with a spouse, our method that we might pick to stay connected to God in any given season might be radically different based on the season that we're in. I would argue you, you, there's all kinds of flexibility that, that when I'm in a different season of life, I might interact with the Bible very differently than I did a year ago or two years ago. And I might have a different rhythm, a different method, and it can, what if it could look very different? What if, what if I don't have to fit in the exact box or the mold that somebody told me I had to fit into? What if I could break the rules, right? And what if we could do it a little different? And I want to walk through with you uh, five methods that have been super helpful to me. Here's the thing. I'm positive that there are a bunch more than this, right? These are just five that I liked and have been super helpful for me at different seasons of my life. I want to walk those through with you, and maybe they'll be encouraging to you or inspiring to you, or you say, ooh, that one makes sense to me, or maybe it might spark a new idea altogether. Love that. But I want to walk through these with you to, just to, to see, uh, man, this, is, this can look different. It can look a little bit different than we had 
in our mind. So here's the first one. Here's the one that most of us would think of right away when we think about reading through the Bible. It calls the read through the Bible in a year method. Right? So this is, it's a very practical method where you, you basically get a printout or you get a plan on your phone. If you type in version and, and download that app, you can, it'll literally take you right through reading through the Bible in a year. Or if you do kind of the physical copy, it'll be like two to four chapters. And you'll check off all of the, all the boxes of reading through the Bible. It's incredible for getting the big picture of what God has said and what he has done and getting your mind around it. And I would say this, if you've never done it, if you've never read through the Bible in a year, if you've been following Jesus a long time and you say, ooh, I actually have never actually read the whole Bible, it is an awesome goal. It is an awesome goal. And you say, but Ryan, what, what kind of season might this method make a ton of sense in? Here's what I would say. Here, here's an idea. Um, this method makes an enormous amount of sense for anybody that has a schedule that's pretty consistent. If you have a schedule or a lifestyle where you say, you know what, I, I kind of go to work at the same time every day. I go to school at the same time every day. I go to bed at the same time every day. I can block in 20 minutes. For me, it takes me a little long, a little slower. 25 minutes, maybe, to read two to four chapters and, and to spend the time to do that, anchor that time in, consistent schedule is great for read through the Bible in a year. And you can listen to it, you can read it, you name it, it's phenomenal, right? So it's a great method to pick. Now, not all of us have that situation that we're in, so what's another method? What else could it look like, right? This is the one we're probably the most familiar with. Here's one that I love, verse on a note card method. So here's how this one works. Uh, you read a chapter of the Bible, one or two verses maybe jumps off the page to you. You take that one verse, you get a three by five card, you write it down or maybe put it in your phone if you're a little bit more electronic. I actually like to write it out physically. For me, it helps me. And then I'll put it in my pocket and, and come back to it over and over and over again. And it gets that one verse, the one that, that God is really jumping off the page with, and it gets it deeper into me. Now, you say, what, what kind of season does this make sense to you? If you are in the middle of medical residency right now, <laughs> if you're like, I am barely surviving, I don't sleep much, I don't always eat, I haven't worked out and, and I don't know how long, I just need some truth to hold on to. Right? If you're a mom of, of a, 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 a young child or several young children and you're not even sure what your name is, First on a note card, man, that's, uh, that's perfect. You just, you get you something to hold on to, right? A little bit of truth and cling to it. Let go of the guilt that you didn't read through the Bible this year. It's okay. You need to hold on to Jesus and make sure to have truth in your life. And this is a great way to do it. And I would even argue sometimes it's easier to apply it when it goes deeper like this and put it into practice. So if you have an overwhelming lifestyle where you are barely functioning as a human and just the idea of talking about reading the Bible is stressing you out because you feel pressure and guilt, it's okay. Take a season, verse on a note card, simple, doable, and it's very effective, right? It's gonna work. Here's another one, right? We've got read through the Bible, verse on a note card method. Here's another method. Memorize a passage method. When I say Memorize a passage. I'm talking five to 10 verses, uh, maybe even more. This is a, a very powerful method to get the, the Bible 
and what the message of the Bible has said in its context, right? So kind of the original intent of the author and what was trying to be communicated in me, and it affects my thinking, and it affects my decision-making in ways that are hard to explain. A great season that this makes sense in is if you have a family, you got a bunch of little kids, um, and little kids are unbelievably affected. They're so good at memorizing Scripture. You'd be amazed. They could put away passages of Scripture. Uh, we did this not that long ago. We memorized uh, Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. It was awesome, right? I, I got my whiteboard out at home, you know, and I put the passage on there and talked it through with the kids. And what happens when we do this is, is they end up having all kinds of questions, like, what are we actually learning here? And it's kind of a game, and it's kind of fun, and the kids are better at memorizing than mom and dad, and it makes a dynamic and a conversation and an interaction. It's, a, it's a really a blast. That is great. Another, a great. another great season for memorizing a passage is if you have um, a work situation or maybe have some space in your life where you can get headspace. Uh, I had a season in college, very short one, where I worked at a, an insurance agency. I took claims on the phone uh, hardest job for me to ever be at because I just all I all I was called to do was to sit there and wait for the phone to ring, you know. And if the phone didn't ring, this was my job, right? Just sit and wait for that puppy. And I was like, I'm gonna lose my mind, right? So I started. I was like, I'm gonna memorize passages of the Bible. And so I get a chapter, and it was unbelievable. I had I had some time because there was. I asked my boss. There's literally nothing else I could do. And so uh, memorizing scripture. If you have a drive and you can recite that passage, or you have space, anything where there's some head space, memorizing will be unbelievably effective for you, and I think you'll love it. It's kind of addicting. Now, if you're kind of a, a person who likes to go big, you like a challenge, you're the Navy SEAL kind of person, you're not attracted to the, the normal, here's a great method for you. Study a book of the Bible method. I loved doing this because I like to be kind of all in or all out. And so uh, the all-in method of studying a book of the Bible, and let me, let me talk to you about this. I used to teach uh, Bible studies, like 17, 18-week studies on uh, short books of the Bible. And to prepare for that, uh, we would listen to it like 50 times, read or listen to that over and over and over and over again. And here's what happens when you do that. If you take let's say Ephesians or Philippians or Colossians or a short book of the Bible, and you, you get it in you over and over and over and over and over again, what happens is you're going to see things that you didn't see the first time you read. That at time number 14, your mind might be blown that, that you saw more and picked up more and observed more and caught more in the story and in the scriptures than you ever thought was possible, and you're, you will be amazed. It is incredible. And then you realize, wait a minute, Every book of the Bible is as deep and as rich and as profound as this book. I'm hooked, man. I'm in. And so if you're, if you're that kind of person, or maybe you're in a season where you have a little space, if you're a college student and classes are out and you're not going to go back for three or four weeks, maybe take that time. Take a month and, and go after one book of the Bible. Uh, if you have a, a season of life where there was a transition and now there's some new space that opened up in your life, and you're thinking, what am I going to work on now? What's going to be my new hobby? Studying a book of the Bible will rock your world. I think you'll be amazed by it. And we have some great resources. If you download our app, if you don't have it, Grace Ohio, uh, download that. Hit the Connect tab. There's something called E4. E4. If you look on it, we probably even find it on the website. 
we have a how to study your Bible video series. It's short and sweet. And you'll get an idea of how, how could I go deep with this? If you want to jump into the deep end, uh, this is a great way to do it, right? Studying the Bible. Now, I want to tell you, read through the Bible. We looked at verse on a note card, memorize a passage, and now study a book. This is a new one I've been playing with for the last couple of years. I want to tell you about it. I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, this is an ancient method of kind of devotion. It's called the daily office. I don't love the name, but I love the idea. And here's what it is. In essence, rather than putting all of your Bible interaction time all at the front end or the back end of your day, you break it up into pieces throughout the day. Let me explain what I mean. You, you would take a three to five minute windows of time and purposefully put them throughout the day. And what you do is you take just a short passage of scripture, maybe five or eight verses. You stop and you read that. You pray. And this is the part I think that helps, uh, at least helps me. You take two minutes, 90 seconds to two minutes of silence. Solitude and silence. And what happens is what you just read and what you just prayed about helps to sink in in a little bit of space in the middle of your day. And what you realize, at least what I realize, is, man, God is with me all throughout the day. He's not far away. He's not remote. He is here with me. Let me tell you, the, the, the people that I think this helps the most, at least in my view, is people in high-stress situations. Uh, many of you are leaders with a ton of responsibility, and you start your day super early, right? You start at 5 a.m. or 4 a.m. or 6 a.m. or something, and if you read the Bible in the morning by 11 a.m. or by 1 o'clock, Whatever you read is totally gone, right? So much ground has passed. You've made decisions and you've been thinking, you've been dealing with problems and you've been leading and now it's gone, right? Whatever you read. But when I put daily office in there, little chunks throughout the day and plant them throughout, it helps me to reconnect with God, to realize that he is real, to realize the burdens that I'm carrying aren't really mine. I can, what the scripture says, cast my cares on him because he cares for me. And it will help me as a leader to remain more focused on Christ and frankly, just to remain sane, right? So if you're in a high-stress situation, daily office, I think will be incredible. For I think you'll love it. Just play with it and try it. And I think you'll get a lot out of it. Now, we talked through all these methods. These are some options. Hopefully that sparks some creativity. If you said, Ryan, okay, now I'm, I'm gonna actually get a habit going. I wanna try it. I wanna try one of these things you just talked about. Let me set us up a little bit for success because here's what happens. You pick one of these methods or some other one that you have in your mind and you say, I'm gonna do it. I'm going for it. I'm gonna do this for 30 days. And what happens? You go and you start working on it and day seven is good, right? You Seven days in a row, but day eight, you miss and then you feel terrible. Right? You know, I missed, my streak is broke, now what do I do? Uh, I'm lost, I'm discouraged, and then we start to spin off and we lost track of the habit. So here's an encouragement for us as we kind of aim at picking up this habit motivated by a heartbeat. Here's what I would say. Aim at progress, not perfection. Aim at progress, not perfection. The goal of this thing is not that at the end of a year, you have 365 check marks. That's not why we're doing what we're doing. If that helps you, awesome. But that's not the goal. Uh, the goal is us knowing Christ. That's what we're talking about. 
We're talking about having a relationship. Lori and I don't tabulate and, and count up the number of dates we have and cheer over it, right? We just have, we just have dates is what we do, right? And look at this passage with me real quick. Paul talking to Timothy again, a young leader in the church. He's talking about his interaction with the Bible and uh, him continuing to grow in it. He says, be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. He doesn't say, Timothy, you need to be perfect or God hates your guts, right? It's not what he says. He doesn't say, listen, if you don't read the Bible every day, Timothy, you're going to hell or your life will not be blessed or blah, 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 blah. It's not the heart of it at all. He's saying, get progress, grow, keep moving, keep advancing in it, right? Run after it. So let me just talk to a few different things that may happen. Uh, One of them, of course, is your streak. If your streak gets broken, what are you going to do? You need to have a predetermined plan on what's going to happen, not if you fail, when you fail, because we're all going to mess it up. I have absolutely been the guy that wanted to read the Bible in a year and got caught in Leviticus, and then it never happened, right? And, and it was day 89, I'm still on day 33. We've all been there. So, right, what happens when that happens? We want to be able to be the one who says, okay, I missed a day, I missed a moment, I missed a daily office appointment, it's not the end of the world, what do you do? You just get back up and jump back on the horse. That's it. When Lori and I miss a date, if something happens, it doesn't come together, or it's a bad date, we just have another one, right? It's just, you just keep it going. That's it. The, the aim and the goal is not perfection, it's progress. Here's another question that pops up quite a bit. Um, yeah, I've got this plan, I've got these habits set, but what if I don't feel like interacting with God that day? What if I don't feel like reading the Bible? Like what, if my heart's not in it, God really wouldn't want me to sit down and, and like work through the Bible, right? It, shouldn't I wait until I kind of have the, um, the feelings there too? And I would look at you and say, absolutely not. Absolutely not. If Lori and I don't feel like going on a date together, if we're like, I don't really feel like being with you. And if she said that too, let me tell you, that's exactly when we need to go on a date. Because the point of the date is our relationship that we're fighting for. The point of interacting with the Bible is not to check off a list or be perfect or come to it perfectly or always have the right perfect mindset when I show up. The, the point of it is that I stay connected to God. So literally, here's what I want you to pray. If you say, oh man, I started this habit and then one day I had a terrible, I was in a bad mood and I didn't wanna, and I know God knows that I don't wanna read the Bible, here's what I want you to do. I want you to start reading your Bible first by telling God that. God, I really don't want to do this right now. Would you help me to want to read the Bible and to be with you? He knows it already. He loves that stuff, <laughs> right? Just be honest. Start there. You're allowed to do it. He will not strike you dead with a lightning bolt. If he does, then tell me if you live through it, right? So it, it, you're going to be fine. That The heart of it is building relationship and being transparent. We don't always want to do the things that are helpful in our relationships, but we need the anchoring disciplines that help us stay connected and help us to fight drift. Every relationship drifts. We all know this. Every relationship that's worth having needs discipline, including a relationship with an eternal, invisible God that, right, we can't see, but we can know. Aim at progress, not perfection. Here's the other question. What happens if my, my method's not working? Uh, I, I tried to do this. I set out to do the year Bible in a year plan, and it fell away, or I tried to memorize, and it's not working. Pick another plan. It's okay. 
You don't have to nail it. If, you, if you'd want to change your goal, it's, it's not the end of the world. If you feel like you want to persevere, that's fine too. But you are not bound by the tool or the method. The point is the relationship. The tool just helps me to have a healthy, vibrant, growing relationship. It's the whole point. Right? We're not aiming at perfection. We're not trying to do that. What we're trying to do is this, right? Pick a method for the season that I'm in. That's where I want to land. I'm in a season there's a reality to that, and I want to do something. Something is better than nothing when it comes to interacting with the Scriptures, and I want to pick something that's going to work for right now, for the next 30 days, for the next 60 days, for this season that I'm in, for the next semester, however long you want to make it, figure out kind of where am I and, and just go with something. And here's what I would say. If you're someone who's uh, investigating your faith, you're not sure where you are right now with Jesus, or even if you believe in this whole Bible thing, but you want to interact with it, you want to do something, uh, maybe you're a brand new Christ follower and you feel like me. When I first said yes to Jesus, I had no idea what was happening here. I opened the Bible as a college student. It was like, man, there's a lot of stuff going on here. Uh, I don't know what the Old Testament or the New Testament is. I don't know who Matthew is. Who, what is this thing? Listen, just start here. Let me make it super simple. Get a Bible. You can take one from the chairs there if you want or go buy one. I like for us to actually invest in it as well. Take, go ahead and purchase one. Put some money into it, some skin in the game. Look at the table of contents. Look and find, find uh, the name John in the New Testament and start there. That's what we often prescribe here at Grace. Hey, just start with John. Why? You're going to find and discover who Jesus is if you start in the book of John. And Jesus is what this whole thing is about. Right? So start there, and you'll have a bunch of questions, and find a friend or email us, and we'll help you through it. Just get started. Start somewhere. For the rest of us, if one of those methods I just talked through sparks some interest in you, if I was talking about studying the book of the Bible thing, and you're like the, the hardcore person that wants to jump in the deep end, and you're like, ooh, I, I don't know, I'd do that one, then jump on it. That's awesome. If you have never memorized Scripture and you're intrigued by it, jump into that side. If you say, you know what, I, really, I want to read through the whole Bible. I'm going to do it this year. I'm going to get an accountability partner. I'm going to tell the people in my life group, we're, we're going to read through this. I'm going to do it and ask some people to help me with it. Awesome. But pick a method that makes sense for this season. I want us to feel like this is extremely doable, right? Hopefully you feel like that, man. This is doable. It doesn't matter what method you pick. It matters that we're doing something, right? The thing is, right, we actually have to do it. And here's the thing. Because this is a relationship, if I'm never making time if the Bible is not a regular part of my life, I at some point, doesn't matter what method I pick, doesn't matter, none of that matters, but if the Bible's not a regular part of my life, I have to be honest and acknowledge that something is probably broken in my relationship with God. You say, Ryan, man, why are you saying that? Well, just think about it. If, if Lori and I were married, and we are, and she looked at me and she said, hey, uh, I'm texting you, I'm calling you, I'm trying to set up dates with you, and there's nothing, there's crickets. You're, you're not responding. If Lori, if I came home from work and she had, she had made an amazing meal and had candles lit and was all dressed up and was eagerly awaiting me for me to come home and have a date with me, and I came home and I was like, I'm good, can we hang out later? 
First of all, I'd be dead, right? She would like destroy me. But second of all, something would be communicated there. Because what I would be saying is, you're putting your heart out here. You're trying to connect with me. And in essence, at some point, if I don't respond, reciprocate to those attempts to put her heart out of there, I'm rejecting her. I'm rejecting that relationship. And what we have to recognize, right, doesn't matter how you do it or what method you pick, but at the end of the day, God is putting his heart out there. He's saying, listen, I want you to know me. I want you to find me. I've gone to some unbelievable lengths to to kind of put myself available. Even though you were my enemy and you rejected me, I showed up. I put skin on. I spoke to you in a language that you could understand. I, I made the Bible more accessible than it has ever been in the history of humanity. It's literally available on my phone. I can go push a button and some English guy reads me the Bible. That's amazing, right? God's like, here's my heart. And if, I, if I'm going to look at it and say, I'm good, I'm really busy. Well, you can make it real simple. To, I'm good. If it never shows up, then we have to admit something's broken in the relationship. Now, listen, that's not the end of the world, but we got to do something about it. I have to actually make a habit. I have to anchor in some discipline. It can change. It can be doable. It can look a thousand different ways, but it has to be somewhere or else I'm going to drift away from my relationship with Christ. It's kind of the reality of what it is. Here's, here's what I said. The amount of time isn't the point. The method isn't the point. Getting it perfect is not the point. The point is to get God's voice into our hearts and into our minds. That's it. That's it. And you and I, we have the freedom to pick how that looks in the season that we're in because it's not about doing it the way that somebody else did it. And it's not about checking off some religious boxes. It's about being with Jesus. It's about discovering who the creator of the universe is. It's about letting him speak into my heart and my life and discovering his heart and his passion for me. So we want to anchor in that habit. And we want to ask some questions about kind of where we are with the Bible today, where that habit is in our lives. And then I want us to walk away feeling empowered to go do something with it. Do something a little different. Freshen it up. Because we have a God and a Savior who is worth knowing and worth chasing at the deepest levels. That's our heartbeat, and we want to make it a habit. I'm going to have the band come out. I want to pray for us. And as you consider and worship, lock that habit in. Is God speaking to you today? Would you pray with me? Father, we again stand in awe of the incredible gift that you have given to us in your word. Lord, it's amazing to me that if you didn't want to be found, we literally would know nothing about you. We, we wouldn't even be able to discover you. But you have chosen to reveal yourself to us, to show us your heart, to extend yourself out 
and really be vulnerable by offering relationship to people that have rejected you largely. And so, Lord, today, what we want to do is we want to reconnect with you or connect with you for the first time, recognizing that we haven't put our relationship at the center of our lives and pushed practical habits in play to help that happen. God, we're sorry for that. And we know there's plenty of grace We surrender, Lord. We want to know you. And we want to walk in the joy and the forgiveness and the passion that comes from having a, a relationship with you. God, meet us here. Help us with it. Stir up within us a hunger and a thirst for your word to know you at the deepest levels. It's in your name we pray, Christ. Amen.